If we're going to talk politics with anybody, we'd like to talk to Lon He Chen. He's a, can- a candidate for California State Controller, but he's also got all kinds of public policy experience. David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. He's been involved in a um, uh, attached to a bunch of different presidential campaigns. Lon He, welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Great to be with you, Jack. Thank you. What do you think of this idea of the Republicans trying to focus on a few issues to make it clear to the American people this is what we'll do for you? I, I think it's a great idea. I think it's important to offer contrast and to offer ideas as, you know, not not just saying, hey, we're not going to be them, but to say, listen, what are what are some of the things that Republicans will do if they have the opportunity to be in the majority in the House. And it's very similar to what uh, Newt Gingrich did in 1994, the contract with America, focusing in on a few really important issues like around the economy and how Republicans are going to try and help to make things more affordable in our country after the decimation we've seen from inflation and now a coming recession. Uh, you know, talking about uh, health care and how to make health care more affordable and accessible to people. So I, I think it's great to have an agenda. I think the challenge, obviously, now is how much bandwidth and how much attention is it going to get in the closing weeks of a campaign when when really substance tends to go out the door, unfortunately, and it's all about, you know, attacks and this and one way and the other. I do think it's a good idea to offer the alternative. I wish they'd done it a little bit earlier. Quite mm, frankly. Yeah, that's interesting. We were talking about that earlier. Just how, and I'm sure both parties are trying to figure this out in the modern world. People are starting to vote in certain areas of the country today. So when do you oh, yeah. when do you announce your closing message? You know, gazillions of people like myself. I'm still a show up at the polling place and vote on voting day. I just, for some reason, like doing it that way. But. You know, that's a shrinking group of people. So when do you when do you unleash your closing argument now? Yeah, it's interesting. The modern campaign has extended, uh, you know, very much. so. I mean, we already knew it was extending earlier. But when you talk about a closing message, it used to be the case that you would have a closing message in the last week of October and, and you'd run two weeks. I remember doing a bunch of different presidential campaigns over the years and we would sort of go into that closing argument, you know, right around Halloween. And it gives yourself usually a nice runway of about a week, a week and a half to really close strong. But to your point, I mean, you look at the state of California as an example. Ballots will be in the mail October 10th, and it creates essentially a rolling four-week election. In Pennsylvania, I understand someone told me that they've got ballots out already in Pennsylvania. You can already request an absentee ballot now. So it is an extended period of time, and it changes the character of campaigns, changes the nature of what campaigns and candidates need to do. And, and it's, it's almost like you've got to start building into your closing argument through the month of September and into October. And, you know, as I think about my own candidacy and what we're doing here in California, that, that's how we're approaching it. We're approaching it as a, a lengthy period of time over which you need to build your case as opposed to what it used to be, which is about, you know, 10 days to two weeks. Do you think that's better or or uh, or not? I, I I feel I understand the you know um, uh, uh, democratic small d democratic view of making sure everybody has plenty of time to vote, stretching out that sort of thing. But in terms of focusing yeah. the nation's attention on issues to have a conversation about it, a debate about it, I think the longer period is not working. Yeah, l- let me tell you what it does. In my view, is it protects incumbents even more because because okay if if you are if you're already in office and people show up and they say oh this guy's already a congressman or this gal is already a member of the state legislature then you have a built-in amount of of name id or a built-in amount of recognition 
that a challenger does not have. So when you lengthen the period of time over which they've got to compete, in my view, what it does is it makes it easier for the incumbent to to hang on because because quite frankly, you know, the incumbent's already going to have that. And and it's just, that, that's kind of my view, because I think what happens is the incumbent has all of the resources and all the ability to communicate over that period of time. The challenger is probably still raising money, right? The challenger is still trying to figure out how do I get my, my name ID out there? And people are already voting. So it's too late by the time that they actually get around to delivering a message. So that's my sort of more cynical view mm, is that the reason the period gets extended is because incumbents can protect themselves. Sometimes cynical is just accurate. So the people that are already in charge made the rules easier to keep them in charge. Yeah, I mean, I look, I think you see it in a lot of different places, right? I think you see it in different states. You know, certainly there is an effort underway to make sure that incumbents are, you know, more, more, more closely ensconced more carefully ensconced in their positions and i don't think that's necessarily a good thing but i think that incumbents do write the rules and then they have the advantage what's actually going to be on the mind of most voters as they vote whether they're voting today or the first week in november nbc has done this thing with their polling where they break the economy into like three different topics inflation jobs and something else so that that waters down those numbers and they can claim that abortion is the number one issue when if you put all the economic stuff together it it is far and away the number one issue so what, what in your mind is actually going to be the top of mind issues well, who who was it that said it's the economy stupid was it james carville the yeah. old uh, political uh, consultant for bill clinton it, it is always i think predominantly the the economy that drives voter decision making and you know the economy can take lots of different forms right i mean to your point is it that i'm paying a lot more for gas and food is it that uh, I feel like my job is at risk. Is it that I feel that the economic conditions in our country are generally unstable and unsteady? Those are all related. Yes, they're separate specific concerns. And if you ask someone to put their finger on it, is it inflation or is it? It's very hard for folks to do that. But the reality is it is these kitchen table issues. I mean, I see it every day campaigning all over the state of California. When I talk to people predominantly, I will tell you like nine times out of ten, the first thing someone will tell me is, you know what, I'm, I'm really frustrated with how much gas they'll cost. Oh, man. I'm really frustrated. I'm really, I'm really concerned about what's happening with our economy. I keep hearing it slowing down. Mortgage rates are soaring. It's making it harder for me to afford a house. All of these things, th- these are all related issues. So I think the economy, by and, by and large, is going to be the, the major issue of this campaign. Yeah, I think you're right. It- I, I'm at that point in my life where I can, you know, afford to live, but I often think about what would I have done when I was 25? I'm not sure what I would have done. I couldn't have filled up my car and gone to the grocery store. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and I think the other piece of it is that people look at um, the current conditions and they just don't see them getting better. You know, that's the other thing is that it's not like there's a ton of hope out there that we're going to see a dramatic end to inflation or that interest rates are going to come back down because they're not. I mean, interest rates are headed in the the other direction, right? I think we're seeing home loan rates uh, for the 30 year, at least. I heard it was up over 6%, which is remarkable and where it was just, just, you know, 24 months ago. So I I think it's, um, it, it is not just the state of the economy, but a sense that the people in charge don't know what they're doing. Mm. They're well, the, not they're not doing what it takes to improve the situation. Well that that gets me to is there going to be a price paid for Joe Biden saying things like, you know, like he did on 60 minutes and has in various other 
um, uh, settings where he says, oh, look, look, it was zero, zero. Nobody's feeling like inflation is zero. Yeah, I think that the challenge uh, politicians have, particularly people who are in office, is, you know, they risk looking like they are um, underselling or under uh, estimating what's happening in people's lives. And when you say, for example, I mean, this whole crock about inflation being transitory, which I, I still am not sure who came up with that one. But this idea that, you know, everything is fine. Keep calm. The economy's doing fine. The economy's not doing fine. All right. The reality is, if you look at the economic indicators, there are some serious warning signs that we're seeing slowing. If you look at a lot of different measures that economists use to evaluate whether we're headed toward recession, a lot of those things are flashing red right now. They're saying, listen, we're going to have a slowdown and and labor markets, uh, you know, are still relatively tight. But that, you know, that could change. And so I think the reality is that we are headed for challenging economic times. And politicians risk looking like they're out of touch if they don't acknowledge that. But but it, it, they're in a catch-22. Joe Biden's in a catch-22 because, on the one hand, he can't really afford to say what is the truth, which is that the economy is in trouble. Because politically, he's got to sound like a cheerleader. But if you're a cheerleader, then you sound like you're out of yep, touch. So right, right. That, that's a challenge. That's a challenge he has. Yeah, that's a good point. Is Joe Biden going to run again? I don't know. I'm the, probably the last person to ask that because I just I don't I don't know enough about the inner workings of, of that White House or the party to know. But I will say this. I think there's a lot of people chomping at the bit to to either to run against him or hoping he doesn't run. So it opens a pathway. Um, but I, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I look at him sometimes and I think, geez, this is um can, can he make you know? Can he really be an effective campaigner for another presidential campaign? I mean, these things are grueling. Yeah, and, and well, uh, and this is not going to be one you can do from uh, your home on Zoom. Probably, you actually have to travel correct. and everything. Correct. You actually have to go out and meet people. And you know, I, I think at one point in his career, that was actually strength. Yeah, oh, yeah, like Joe Biden. Absolutely, to get out there and meet people and connect with people. I, I just think it's hard now. You know, I mean, I, I, everybody reaches an age where it's it's just a little more challenging, and his problem is frankly, it's less what Republican he's going to run against is that there's a lot of ambitious Democrats yeah. who want to take him, you know, and that that's his bigger problem. Is Gavin going to run? Boy, it sure seems like it. I mean, he's positioning himself that way. And, See, and, it's hard know, to I imagine he, why you'd run ads in Florida like that as the governor of California if you weren't running for president. You know, there's this concept in politics. These politicians call it a free shot election where basically you've got a job, and so you go and run for something else because it's a free shot. Mm. And Gavin running for president in 24 is a free shot because he's probably going to get you know reelected this fall. And if he gets reelected, then what does that mean? He has four years, right, as governor. And so 2024 falls right in the middle of that. Why not, right? It's like, why not give it a shot? So, you know, I think he is in a similar position to others who – would evaluate and look at it. And if they don't feel like there's a political price to be paid for running against an incumbent president or in the alternative, if the incumbent president decides not to run, they may just say, hey, why not? Give it a shot. You know? I, so I, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's just a way of raising their profile nationally, too. I'm real close to out of time. This is going to have to be a short answer. Does Trump run again? Uh, I, you know, I it's hard for me to say if you'd asked me a couple months ago, I would have said, yeah, I think he will run. Mm. 
Now I, it's 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 just a little bit more up in the air. But I think if you had to bet, I'd say, yeah, I think he's going to run. Interesting. So if you live in California, vote for Lon Hee Chen for uh, controller because uh, we need that. And if the L.A. Times thinks it's true, wow, it's really true. Thank you, Lonnie. Appreciate your time today. Thanks, Jack. Armstrong and Getty. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.